0: Welcome to Film Trace. It is season five of our podcast. This is the podcast where we trace the life of a film from conception to production, all the way to release and reception. It, wait, is this my choice, Chris? Also, welcome back, Chris. Season oh, five. Oh yes,
1: thank you very Here much. We uh, Here we are.
0: Uh, did you think we would do five seasons of this already?
1: Hell no. Um,
0: <laughs> the pandemic is like seasons, crazy things.
1: <laughs> I know, right? And uh under three years. I mean, these are cycles, yeah. right? Technically. Yeah,
0: that makes sense. Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> I mean, whatever. Um, no, I, 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 I am glad to be back, and I do think technically this is another joint effort. Um, yes, I, I right. is escaping me, but I feel like our Oh premier- wait, no no, 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 no. I sent an email. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you prompted it, but it it felt right to me. Yeah, so yeah, I yeah. I readily agreed to it despite my better judgment. Um, we are talking about Halloween kills for. Our, first episode our last cycle or season of 2021 and it is quite the doozy to begin with um i don't know man yes i'm technically in charge of the new movies this season you're in charge of the anniversary films uh we'll give a teaser about what's coming up next week but let's start with i think it's um i mean we we have we've We've guarded ourselves from sharing
0: we our have, opinions. We did a really good job over this weekend because, you know, this movie came out in theaters on Friday, but it was also on Peacock. <laughs> oh Premium Peacock. Let's not forget that. Um, It did quite well in the theaters. Like a lot of people have thought actually it was tracking to like 40 ish and ended up doing 50. So it's, you know, it's already a highly successful sequel in terms of box office. There's some you know, bi- big implications with how it's doing the box office in terms of like, the box office is back right mm-hmm. um there's a lot kind of writing on this movie i mean we can't it's i think we gotta start in two ways one what is your relationship to the halloween film series in general
1: yeah it's uh the original stone cold classic been in my personal rotation since I bought the VHS at Suncoast Video <laughs> back in like 1998, maybe. Yeah. Um, maybe it was actually, now that I'm thinking about it, because I had like a very nice, you know, kind of black and gold case, maybe it was a 20th anniversary VHS. Could have been. Um, I don't from know Anchor what. Bay. Uh,
0: 1998.
1: Yeah. So, uh, I mean, it's, it's I, I was obsessed with John Carpenter in the, late nineties, um, just tried to track down every film he made and uh it was kind of known at that point that Halloween I mean it's his, his only movie, correct me if I'm wrong, that really like catapulted a a, a pretty big franchise. Like he, he he had a sequel with Escape from New York, Escape from LA, but other than that, like this is this is what he's known for the most, right?
0: Yeah, I would say so. I mean like he <sighs> It was such a splash. Yeah. When this thing hit and no one expected it like there's The the um, the stories behind the original Halloween are, are amazing how it came to be, how it was produced. We're, we're not going to cover that, obviously, but like it was one of those films that back in those times, it's like the money came together at the right time with the right people. No one wanted to distribute it at all. They did a <laughs> test screening in Kansas City and it like blew the doors off the place. Uh, it wasn't even a test screening. It was a, like a roadshow release. Right. And then it was like, it's one of those fairy tale type stories. Um, And
1: like, I think it, you know, essentially launched, could we say it launched the slasher genre? Right. It's, it's the, it's kind of known as like the preeminent slasher movie, right? Um, You don't have Friday the 13th. uh, You don't have scream. You don't have anything that came after it without Michael Myers in the beginning. Right. Um, Do you think that, I mean, what, do uh, you have a similar history, right? But I do think that perhaps you uh, stuck with the franchise, perhaps better than I did. I, I don't know if that's true because I like so
0: you know I'm a horror nerd. I love horror movies. Always yeah. have. I was way more of a Jason guy. Oh really? Yeah. So I like okay. I I, I like Jason, which is you know one of the reasons why I should have loved this movie because it's more of a Jason movie than a Halloween movie. But more on that later. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it's one of those films where it's a series that essentially I, I I've seen almost all I think all of the Halloween movies I think the original is something that I'd seen growing up but it didn't really hit me probably until like a decade ago hmm. um when I started I saw it once or whatever and it's one of those films kind of like alien um that's just on rotation like I will watch it when it's on I will watch the rest of it and it's on amc all the time it's just one of those films i would put in my top 50 films all time yeah um it's just it's it's literal perfection on so many different levels um and you know the rest of the series i didn't love you know the h2o reboots you know like we could go into the whole series of this stuff and it's forever there's like what four timelines essentially that are going on there's the original there's h2o there's resurrection um i i think we could put it simply as this halloween the original is by far the best film in the series there are some highlights since then i would point out like h20 is good um i liked the zombie reboots i liked both of them and i had i hadn't seen them until very recently actually like a couple months ago um I still haven't and- seen them they're worth seeing i mean they're yeah. it's it acquired Rob always acquired taste uh, the point is it's like this this series has been very very up and down and when david gordon green and uh jason blum sort of rebooted this thing in 2018 it was a huge massive success like unbelievably successful um you know it was shot for 10 million dollars blumhouse is sort of its specialty is in smaller horror films or smaller genre films really low budgets you know on a 10 million dollar budget when this came out in 2018 did 255 million dollars globally essentially the second best slasher in the history of slasher films uh, scream is still number one if based on inflation essentially it's a little bit higher like 280 million dollars um so you know uh I, I mean, what were your thoughts on the 2018 version? I mean, that's probably the next big question we have to answer.
1: Yeah, well, I can, can I take a step back because sure. I need to just talk about my guy David Gordon Green for a second. Oh, yeah, okay. Because this is where it gets. I mean, you it's think about the, the chronology. You think the chronology of Michael Myers as a character is complicated. Like, I feel like this guy's career as a director is nonsensical like it's it does it literally like it it feels like you're throwing spaghetti at the wall and he doesn't care or like that's kind of his thing has been to be the human spaghetti thrown at the project and he just i don't know if it's just like a sheer love of movies so this is a guy that started as a indie art house darling right he made a beautiful film in the 90s called George Washington uh same kind of deal in terms of like low budget very unique aesthetic kind of launched um uh you know a kind of reawakening of that Malick style um kind of like you could perhaps argue that um the invention of the slasher movie was like reigniting the interest in like the monster movie genre as like a B movie thing that could be seen as a craft. Um, but he was going way more pretentious with it, with uh, you know his follow up efforts, all the real girls and snow angels, and then he takes a wicked left turn into the apetoe verse with a movie we've previously covered yes. uh, on the cast that we're huge fans of, Pineapple Express. Yeah. Um, And then he does, he attempts to like hang out in that world, fails miserably with uh, follow-ups, your highness and the sitter Um, both tanked horribly. Uh, He's a white guy in Hollywood though. So he fails upward and finds himself (laughs) working on the Halloween reboot sequel thing for 2018. And so I'm pumped to see it, but then as a release date, Uh, Comes closer Um, I'm seeing the buzz Kind of fizzle Even though it does seem like it's probably gonna be A blockbuster uh, Because it'd been a while Like what was the last The Rob Zombie movies were the last time Yeah so you're looking at um, Nine years Yeah yeah. so people were looking for something fresh It was huge that Jamie Lee Curtis Was um, back on board As Laurie Strode right Even if they were going to like Completely upend the uh, narrative and this is a direct sequel to the 1978 Halloween so we're ignoring not only H2O and Resurrection but also like Halloween 2 which was another John yeah. Carpenter film um so i i was curious but then i mean i don't know how did you feel Dan because like what by the time it actually came out i lost interest because i had heard that it's just kind of bad and then when i eventually did see it like six months to a year later on streaming uh it was true i it, Wait, it was you didn't bad. like halloween the 20 i thought you loved this movie the 2018 version yeah no i think
0: oh it's, interesting i think I it's full really like garbage
1: <laughs>
0: total garbage oh my god this is so surprising yeah um no, what did you i was t- super hyped like okay. beyond hype. i mean i like jason blum is like a hero to me like, like what he's doing in horror movies is like amazing sure. Uh, him getting involved, John Carpenter, Jimmy Lee Curtis, like the whole crew's getting back together. I thought it would be interesting. What David Gordon Green, also Danny McBride, being involved as a right. writer, right? Super fascinating. Obviously, a long time sort of creative partner uh, with David Gordon Green with a lot of stuff. Um, I, you know, I went into it. I saw it open night. Uh, in Nashville, went with a friend. We were both super stoked for it. Um, I thought it was okay. I thought it was pretty good. Um, I thought there was a lot of interesting things that David Gordon had brought to it, um, but that there was this weird vibe to the whole thing mm-hmm. that just did not jive at all with the original Halloween. Uh, and I sound like a total nerd saying that. They're like, oh, it doesn't really, you know, it's not in <laughs> harmony with the original tone or whatever. That just sounds like a film bro thing to say, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but it's true. And it, it, I don't know. It's like watching the first one was really entertaining i think the the crowd that i was with really liked it It did incredibly it was incredibly successful um so we can't knock it in those departments like it was a huge win for everybody involved i I just think that there was there was a lot of great foundational work there you know conspiracy theory laurie and her sort of like prepper verse that she lives in um judy greer was great you have new um characters getting involved but i there was something about it that it didn't feel like a Halloween movie, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because the original, you know, I probably watched the original at least once a year. Uh, and it is so pitch perfect in terms of tone and vibe. And that's mostly what it is, vibes. Um, you know, There's very little gore, um, if any, actually, when you think about it. There's very little blood and not a lot of on-screen violence. It's just mostly... In a weird way, kind of that psychological, I hate this term, like elevated horror, I hate that term, but it's true. Um, there's a, I don't even know what the, like a refinedness to it. It sounds terrible. Um, <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like there's, um, I would think Halloween is closer to films like It Follows yes. and The Witch uh, and maybe even Hereditary to some degree. In, in, in sort of what it's going for. And people call it like psychological, but it's more than that, right? It's the type of fear that it creates in people.
1: And uh, I mean, it was loose. It was the, the thing that I think helped it stand apart from so many of its imitators is that, you know, Michael Myers is not seen. It's, he lives in this kind of gray area between human and monster, right? Between yeah, mortal exactly. and immortal. Yeah. And, that I think is perhaps why we keep coming back to the well and, you know, just the <laughs> iconography of uh, the William Shatner mask and um, the whole like male gaze aspect of the babysitters. And it just, it. I mean, it. it there's no question why it was mimicked for decades to come. But I think you, you're you totally right that the way that David Gordon Green approached it for this reboot, I agree Judy Greer, love her. She's uh, phenomenal, come on. You know, Jamie Lee Curtis, she's given it her all. Um, but then, like, other than that, like, supporting cast, I'm sorry, Will Patton, You're he's been phoning in for a while now. And <laughs> so do the, you know, teenage characters, teenage actors. Um, and also, there's just like this kind of like, it almost feels like a cinematic equivalent of a shrug where it's just like yeah like whatever like we're like people kind of joke cuz uh John Carpenter does the music right for these new yeah. ones mm-hmm. um and it's st- that's fantastic i i mean I, I will watch this stupid new franchise to the ends of the earth if i get to hear new carpenter joints um yeah. but it, there is kind of like this feeling of almost like carpenter in his old age now like he would much rather just like chat with you about video games and basketball. And so that's why he's like cool with whatever David Gordon Green and Blumhouse is doing. Cause yeah. he's just kind of removed from it all, but it's you, you would want the director to not be removed from it. And yet he feels like he does. Like I, I really do think that there was kind of like this magic moment where it with pineapple express, where he was like feeling the, the mainstream, and using the resources to his ability to really still have that kind of artful quality yeah. that came from his independent career. But then, as soon as he got that taste, it's just like the guy is just like living life, not really caring about what he's doing artistically. There,
0: yeah, there's a very, I, I think that's the one thing that stood out to me uh, with Halloween 2018. Is that there is a severe blase attitude happening?
1: Detached, yeah.
0: It's very detached, and like, um, in some ways, it worked to his advantage in terms of like being more comedic and all that, and especially the first film. Um, Yeah. But I think in Halloween Kills, it really comes home to roost, (laughs) and it's it. uh, Let's I mean, let's talk about the basics of this movie. So, right, Halloween Kills comes out in October 2018. Jason Blum says a month before, essentially, hey, if this does well, we'll do a sequel. Danny McBride and David Gordon Green were going to sort of um, pitch the movies together, essentially. Like, we'll shoot these back to back. They kind of like went back on that and said, hey, we'll do one, see how it does. Jason Blum agrees. Hey, it did really well. And uh, I can't figure out if Jason Blum, I think Jason Blum asked David Gordon Gordon Green to do this. They wrote him an email and Mm -hmm. David was just like, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> um, and so it does super well, and then it, this thing gets greenlit basically immediately. Mm-hmm. Uh, and David Gordon Green comes back to write and direct, obviously, and then Danny McBride comes back to write, and then Scott Teams, uh, joined in February 2019 to sort of write the script with them. And I think he's a big kind of Blumhouse production guy. Yeah, uh, he's done stuff on like Rectify. I think uh, kind of doing some uh, TV work there um they shoot the thing uh in what looks like
1: uh summer of 2019 maybe yeah Yeah. something like that like july 2019 north carolina which is where david gordon green's from you know he kind of got caught up in that whole like that wilmington area was seen as like one of the hollywood alternatives um so i mean it, it makes sense that blum goes to him not just on like uh you know maybe he just saw his movies and thought you know why not? But also, it just seems like financially, like he's a practical guy. Yeah. And, oh, very practical. Yeah. So, like he's he's like, all right, this guy's already here. This is a you know cheaper place to shoot, even cheaper than Atlanta. So let's uh, let's make it happen. And they do these movies on a budget, though. This is arguably this is right the the biggest budget Halloween movie now. Halloween Kills
0: uh let's just i have it in my notes here i believe so i don't even think it's really that close yeah the closest you're going to get is halloween well okay so like technically with inflation Hollywood and halloween h2o is higher sure. okay, okay 17 million but you know it's all kind of like um it's definitely way higher the traditional budget for these is like five million exactly You know, the early ones, two point five million, and then the first one obviously was like nothing, three hundred (laughs) thousand dollars. But yeah, there there was a sort of um, convenience the whole thing uh, that felt I I felt when it was like announced and stuff. I was like, oh, okay, this is cool. Like even the the first one, but like it just it seemed kind of weird of where they were going to film it. Uh, Something like this, you were probably gonna you're probably gonna film in Atlanta or L A. or New York. Or Vancouver. Like it's just you would do it in a production center. And like the fact that they're not doing it. And Wilmington also is past its heyday in filmmaking. Like it's not a big filmmaking place anymore. Mm-hmm. And so I, it just felt kind of weird. Um, so they film the sequel, you know, obviously a much bigger budget than the original. Um they film it essentially fall of 2019, let's say. Uh, it's in the can, and then of course, what happens? COVID hits. Uh, so it's supposed to come out in 2020. That can't happen. Uh, so it gets pushed kind of indefinitely. Um, it was pushed, I think, to like July, and then they kept pushing it back, and then finally they're like, okay, let's do it October 15th, 2021. And uh what I found interesting, kind of we're kind of jumping ahead, but I wanted to, to state this because it's such a unique situation. Um, you know, Jason Blum loves to test screen his movies. Mm -hmm. And thinking about this one, it's sort of like um, you would think if they had a year, essentially, of this thing sitting on the shelf, that they would (laughs) test screen this thing relentlessly uh, and make some tweaks and changes. So it has an extra year of editing that's going on here. Um, And I think that actually probably worked against it somehow, Oh, um cool. <laughs> i mean like blum basically says that they didn't really change anything over the last year Oh, i don't really believe that that <laughs> yeah. doesn't make any sense like you don't have a year of like file. you I mean, know like, come on like you're gonna change something like the music or edits right. uh, it's and, not, and it's, it's also not something you would
1: admit to right it's exactly like- <laughs> yeah
0: and i i was listening to another podcast and i think they're like quoting uh uh, an interview with David Gordon Green, and he was basically like uh, one thing to know, you know, going into this, and now we're kind of getting into spoilers about Halloween Kills. So if you haven't seen it, do watch it and see it, and come back and listen. um It's a very, very intense, violent film, mm-hmm. um brutal in a lot of ways. And David Gordon Green even sort of admits that he didn't set out to make a movie like that, but it came about in the editing room, <laughs> and it's sort of like he kept on like up in the ante with his editor. And it just, it ended up being this, I would call like extreme violence slasher.
1: It's an assault on the senses.
0: Yeah. Which I, you know, you wouldn't really put the Halloween series in that world. This is a little bit more on sort of, and that's why I say it it plays like a Jason film.
1: Like Jason takes Manhattan kind of. Exactly. Like
0: over the top cartoonish violence. Um, I mean, you know, like we could talk about the production and that kind of stuff. I think we just got to dive into what we think about this thing and what what was going on here, just because I think there's a lot to talk about. Um, I mean, first of all, like what you didn't really like the first one. No. Um, So you're kind of you're kind of set up here to not like this one. What <laughs> yeah. what was your first sort of reaction when seeing it? Like, what did it remind you of?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, you, you brought up the comedy angle earlier, and I think that's. Important to consider because there's been a lot of infighting on film Twitter about, you know, how, uh, you know, does Halloween kills qualify as camp? Like is, is what's going on in the film intentional? Is it not like the tone kind of objectively is all over the place, right? Sure. Yeah. But you got to look at Gordon Green's history as a comedy guy and Danny McBride as a comedy guy, even more so than David Gordon Green. And it, I mean, it just goes back to like what we were saying earlier, like how did this pair wind up with this? It's but it also feels like it tries to have its cake and eat it, too, or it tries to straddle that line and like sometimes purposely veer off towards comedy. But then other times veer off and like you think like maybe it's trying to make a serious point about like mob mentality or some oh, shit. Oh, God. <laughs> but then it, that just feels like accidental camp. And I don't know, it just feels really like that was just like, I I mean, I was watching this movie nine o'clock at night before the work week started. And I was just it just felt so like I felt like kind of like skin crawly, like there's there's too much, too much. And it's not just too much in like a narrative sense, though, that's also true, because there's like so many like parallel storylines and like characters um, both introduced for the first time and reintroduced from uh, prior franchise yeah. uh, installments, but also played by different actors. <laughs> Paul Rudd's character from Halloween five is played by Anthony Michael Hall now. And it's oh, yeah. just, <laughs> right, right. it's it, it. Yeah. It just feels like I said, assault on the senses, both in terms of the violence and gore, as well as just absolutely everything else.
0: Yeah. Um, it, um, so. I think the one thing that stood out to me was, the, well, there's three things that stood out to me. The extreme violence. Like this yeah. is, the first one was violent. This is way more violent than that. Uh, you have a, a ton of really extreme on, on-screen kills that show everything. I'm actually kind of surprised it got a, a R. It's like borderline NC-17 stuff. Oh, mm-hmm. uh, there's no sex, but I guess that, that's usually what they do NC-17 for. But I mean, they tell like someone's thumbs through somebody's eye. I mean, like it's gratuitous to the point where it it seems like it's campy. And this is meant to be funny. I laughed throughout most of this movie. You me. <laughs> I mean, at the time where he's like stabbing the guy repeatedly in front of his dying wife, I was like, that's hilarious. <laughs> like, that's like really funny. And like, it, I mean, in a way that's like so self-aware that like, well, obviously this is dumb. right? But I, there's two different paths you could take with that. And I think camp, I think when someone argues that this is camp, camp, involves an intellectual irony that is not here at all right it is not here Uh, this is not John Waters like this is not somebody making a statement social political otherwise this is just guys who are bored who have a lot of money uh, and a lot of time to make movies Uh, and they're nerds and they just wanted to have a good time and they did have a good time and I think that like they enjoyed themselves making this movie what's on the screen is a disaster (laughs) I mean, it's a complete and utter mess on so many different levels. I mean, if you look back at Halloween, uh, the 2018 version, at the very least, it had an interesting sort of story. Is it a good story? No, but it's interesting. Like the PTSD stuff, uh, Path Through Generations, I thought that was like you know had some richness to it. He, what's the story in Halloween Kills? He comes out of a burning house, and then it's like a kind of like a um i don't even know what it is he just goes around the city killing people there's absolutely zero story whatsoever like is there even a basic
1: plot point here that's happening i mean i think it's the the vigilante mob but that's really the center of this story i but it's such a wobbly center that that's why i say it with hesitance and it sort of lasts
0: for like that one sequence and then disappears
1: right, right it's kind of like an act to almost feel like an act to distraction and uh, well i mean uh, here's my other like major issue and i was curious but i could not find anything in terms of like production especially since it wasn't interrupted by covid it just was completed no, yeah. and then covid occur- started um like one of the saving graces of of the 2018 halloween um in my opinion, was also uh, that relationship between Laurie yeah. Strode and yeah. Judy Greer's character Karen, the daughter, and that is basically ignored for this movie. Um, so much to the, f- so much so that like literally Jamie Lee Curtis's character is just in a hospital bed, <laughs> and you see her at the beginning brought to the hospital. Yeah. Uh, in the middle, she attempts to leave the hospital, <laughs> and then she hurts herself or like reopens her wound or whatever, and so she goes back to the hospital bed. And then at the very end, she's brought back for a couple scenes. Like it's just it's like, farce. This... <laughs> do you, is do you, so? Do you think that's intentional? Like to like keep no. I know. I mean, like the, this entire the- this <laughs> entire
0: project is farce. Okay. Yes.
1: Like it's. I
0: think we we what we cannot forget is that like. So Halloween was greenlit by Jason Blum. The moment it did well, they greenlit two sequels,
1: Mm
0: -hmm. right? So Halloween Kills and Halloween Ends are are both being made. Uh, They weren't made back to back, again, like they tried to do on the first two, but on the second two, that didn't happen. So this movie is definitely, if if there was no Halloween Ends, I think this movie is completely different. Um, and they take a different, completely different path. It feels, the whole thing feels like a bridge. It feels oh, like yeah. a bridge episode or something.
1: It's a filler episode if it yeah. was, you know, episodic television. And it, I think that that's ultimately, you know, give them the best benefit of the doubt we possibly can. They're yeah. like, let's just see how much we can stuff into this and give, quote unquote, the people what they want. Which I think, I mean, I don't, uh, I don't know if there's more to talk about um, our personal opinions, but I need to make sure we address the incredible schism between the Rotten Tomatoes audience score <laughs> and the Rotten Tomatoes criti- critics score.
0: I think we dive into that. I mean, why not? So um, what the hell
1: happened here? Why People love this movie, but critics don't. I guess we're more aligned I don't aligned with know the how much I
0: trust the Rotten audience score. I mean, like, yeah, I don't know. It's like, inflated. It's- <laughs> It just seems like every – it's bizarre because I've been reading – I'm reading two things a lot for um, audience reception because, like, whenever I see a movie I have this strong reaction to it, I was like, I got to, like, see what's going on. I got to see what's going on in the street and see what people are talking about. Right. <laughs> and uh, I think within the horror forums, like, let's say, like, the horror subreddit, Dreadit, which is a really fun place to hang out in, uh, but a really good place to get, like, the honest reaction from horror nerds about what's going on with this movie it i would say it was like 70 percent love so like makes sense with rotten tomatoes but like in the general movies forum it was really negative like mm. super negative um so what is the, the rotten tomato score is at what 71 percent? i mean that's not that great number one it's okay yeah what about the well talk to me about this critical response i mean the critics okay. we're kind of in the critic circle it feels like
1: Absolutely, and I I even feel like maybe some of the the all critics score is at least a little more favorable as it tends to be forty six percent real score fifty five top critics thirty four percent real score forty seven and then Metacritic kind of evening that that out with a overall score of forty one out of hundred. So I you know the, I do think that like in turn going back to what you were saying about um, uh, the the kills the gore like. If this, it almost feels like it's artificial inflation because at least there's things to look like it's not a boring <laughs> movie. So, that's like, true. that's engaging. literally like if because there have been bad Halloween movies in the franchise where like they've tried to replicate that atmosphere, but because they didn't get how to do that and because they didn't actually like do anything, you know, ostentatious on screen, like these horrible, gory murder scenes then it it gets rated even lower because there's nothing worse than a a bad movie is just bad but at least you enjoy watching it but a a bad movie that's also boring is like the worst you could possibly get and at the very least david gordon green doesn't make boring movies so that's i think perhaps one um uh part of the equation but i'm curious Uh, you're the cinema score guy, yeah. And obviously, the Rotten Tomatoes score, and then we should mention the Metacritic's audio score is 61. The IMDb score is 66. Film nerds who are a little more harsh, but like I said, there's definitely the defenders out there, especially horror nerds on Letterboxd giving it a 56, which is bad, but definitely not horrific. Mm. Um, but a cinema score of a B minus, which I feel (laughs) like you're going to tell me is basically an F. No. is <laughs> different, though. So <laughs> right. with
0: horror, you got at least a half a grade um, skew down.
1: Hmm.
0: So this is more like a B score, because the people that go to horror movies opening night, for whatever reason, are pretty harsh. Uh, same with comedies, for the most part. Um, so B minus is not terrible, um, but it's not... It, what I find interesting about it is it doesn't seem to translate over to the box office, which is very good, especially during the pandemic. Right um this just hit a chord uh or a nerve I should say with um uh just the right right group of people at the right time essentially uh, people were clam to see a horror movie it's october people wanted to go see it i think the people who rushed out to go see it they had a less positive reaction than the people who saw it saturday saturday night and sunday and the people who've seen it since uh, you could see that in the rotten tomato audience score it started out very low uh, it's around like like forty percent, I think, and it's basically been taking its way up as I think a more general audience has seen it. Um, I don't know why that is. I mean, you look at the other cinema scores. Um, Halloween twenty eighteen had a B plus. That's a pretty big difference here because yeah. that would have ended up I think normally an A minus, which is really good for a horror movie. Uh, so people that you know showed up to opening night to see that were they felt rewarded. The people who were like excited to see it with this one, it's not the same. Um, you know, this actually falls in line with uh Rob Zombie's movie, which also got a B minus, which and you talk about a polarizing film. Uh the 2017, you know, Rob Zombie reboot is like absolutely divides the Halloween fan base, like the Grand Canyon. Like it's just either you love it or you absolutely despise it. Um I feel like this is gonna have a similar similar sort of effect in the long run. Um it, I, I do, but why do you think there is this? Let's talk about this critical audience divide. What are the critics seeing that the audiences are not? Like, what specifically do you feel like they're they're almost offended if you read some of these reviews? <laughs> like, well, let's go read some of them. They're fun. Yeah. Um, um, let's see. What's
1: your favorite one of the of the bunch that we picked here?
0: Um, I mean. I would say like this lurching directionless corpse of a film. I mean, like stuff like that where it's like critics are already very critical of horror movies because they don't feel like there's a lot of um, artistic merit in what's happening. It's pretty easy to throw a bucket of blood on the screen and, you know, put a knife in some beautiful girl, essentially. Uh, They don't really see much uh, finesse in that. Um, And so there's already sort of a little bit of an edge to it. I think when you get a movie like Halloween that I would call Halloween Kills, I I would call it cynical, Um, boring in the sense that like there's no real ideas being um, sort of examined whatsoever. There's no part of human psyche that's being examined whatsoever. Uh, So to them, there's nothing to bite their critical teeth down on and so yeah. they're they're basically eviscerating the movie um ironically um do you think they're being unfair some of these is this a directionless corpse of a film
1: <laughs> yeah yeah it is um <laughs> i mean i'm kind of i'm kind of googling here how critics in general have treated um not just horror movies in the past decade or so but like franchise horror movies cuz i yeah. do think there's like this it's kind of a two in the cough Whatever the idiom is Two birds with one stone Two in the coffin I don't know what Two in the bush it. because one in the barrel I don't know. <laughs> um, Where it's like They're already, already going to hate on horror movies Because they follow Or tend to follow You know a yeah. Pretty strict formula But then they're also going to hate on it Because it's franchise film Which is a whole other Kind of formula problem um, And I think especially Perhaps in a, you know, post, <laughs> are we in post MCU world? We're not, are we? Um, I don't
0: know. Yeah, I think so. I mean, once Infinity War is over, you know,
1: or whatever it was called.
0: Well, post phase, whatever. Phase four. Where where
1: there's that, there's that sense of exhaustion, right? Yeah. Um, and I also think like, it, you know, it makes sense seasonally. You re- you're going to release Halloween sure. movie as you lead up to Halloween. But also you're, we're in like prime you know getting ready for uh award season stuff so i do think that this is like the the worst (laughs) one of the worst times of year to rub a critic (laughs) the wrong way Um, some of these reviews though like like LaSalle know
0: i love this it was one of my favorite (laughs) reviewers he's like a film intellectual i think he has his phd (laughs) Uh, if you like this sort of movie, knock yourself out. That's what he says.
1: <laughs> that, that resigned detachment. He's he's taking after David yeah. Gordon Green. Even the positive um, one, then, man.
0: Like Barry Hurts at Globe and Mail. There's an undeniably compelling en- energy to whatever <laughs> is going on here. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's just. Yeah. Oh, man. We're,
1: we're, all, we're all sick. I also think that, like, Elephant in the Room, I think we have to be careful about how we consume and analyze horror while we're during a pandemic, right?
0: This came up on the ringer podcast. They were talking about this in this movie.
1: Okay. Well, and it's, it's become a meme now of Jamie Lee Curtis on the press circuit, like saying, actually it's about trauma and like this, like this, like global collective trauma. (laughs) Yes. Personal trauma. Yes. But then like to conflate these sorts of things and, um I mean, I don't know about you I know we're both huge fans of yeah. horror, but especially like you i mean you were kind of emphasizing the the kind of sick and twisted uh violence that's going on here yeah. and yes, you can kind of laugh and laugh it off or um even when it's cheesy like we watched escape room together oh, fun. Yeah. you know that it's 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 like a fun kind of whatever but there's a point where like and maybe it's also age getting older, but like my stomach just like doesn't have an interest. That's why I've avoided the Rob zombie films. Yeah. Like, I saw devil's rejects mm. and house of a thousand mm. corpses in my twenties. Yeah. And after both of those, I was just like, go do your thing, Rob. I'm going to stay over yeah. here.
0: There's definitely that, that so, feeling to it. I, I, yeah. I, I'm kind of a little bit different. <laughs> like, like I love the <laughs> kills in this. I thought the kills were awesome. Um, yeah. The one where the, the nurse, <laughs> the door gets kicked i mean it's just it's so comedic like and it's so fun like the the eyes the thumbs to the guy's eyes i thought was like hilarious um (laughs) but like i also like kind of like zombie movies i'm not like the thing is i don't actually like gore all that much i just like it when it's creative and well shot um and that that i mean the thing about this is i think what is so frustrating about this film to me is that you have david gordon green who is a good filmmaker without a doubt he's has the potential to make a great film you have danny McBride, who's a great writer uh super funny guy uh john carper is involved jason blum current king of horror essentially um Jamie lee curtis is here as well uh and judy the you know, great supporting cast i would say not everybody anthony michael hall is terrible um <laughs> but i think what like what and then you have this 20 million dollar budget and you have not not only a 20 million dollar budget you have basically deadline confirmed this the PA budget on the first one 75 million dollars for marketing Jesus this one grace. was they said just shy of 100
1: what yes.
0: so you're talking 90 million dollars plus 20 110 million dollars involved here in this movie and this is kind of what you come up with um it's just kind of like i think more than anything it's kind of irritating Because, uh, and and I think it's especially irritating because of David Gordon Green. This is somebody who went to NC School of the Arts, which is Winston-Salem, where I went to school. And I know the people that went there. And these are just like, you know, kind of outcasty, super arty people that that's their path in life is to make movies or be an actor or or a ballet dancer, whatever. Um, it, it, It can be a very tough path, that creative path and a lot of people that have a voice young filmmakers who are struggling to get heard you know it's almost do you it's almost insulting that like they would take this opportunity with all of these resources and create kind of a dumb movie that not only really has nothing to do with halloween whatsoever it's not even a good horror movie the only way this movie is good to me is if i view it through the it's like jason 20 and then it's right. like, oh, yeah, that was a fun, dumb slasher with some cool kills. And that just doesn't add up to me with the people involved and the money involved. It doesn't remotely make sense no. to me.
1: It should be something much more special than well, I, what it turns I, out if, if
0: not special, then at least, like, astute or deft. You know, and it's neither but, of those. Like, yeah. it, the least they could do was make a Halloween movie that what blows my mind too is like they had a really good foundation in Halloween. And then with this one, they basically blow it to smithereens. Like they had a good relationship, a good narrative, emotional narrative going on in the first one. And then, you know, instead it's just, you know, uh, Jason, like destroying drones. Like, what was that about? Um, Like, (laughs) I don't know. It's, it's a really frustrating movie that like, I think if you go into it expecting nothing but a slasher, you're probably going to get something out of it. If you expect yeah. anything else, you're going to be disappointed. Um and I I why do you I guess the the biggest question that I have to all this and like what has sort of been racking my brain over the last 3 days is like how does this happen? You know like uh, how do you get these people involved uh, all the sum uh, all the parts here should add up to something pretty Either profound, interesting, or like a really good horror movie, uh and none of that happens. So, like, what the hell happened? <laughs> like, what the? Hell? Where did it all go wrong?
1: I mean, I really do. I don't want to repeat myself, but it, I mean, you get, you know, guys in a room that just like base desire is to put something on screen that's going to entertain them, and so they aren't thinking things through because they don't have yeah. to because they're given 10 million dollars 20 million dollars to produce this and like there's this interview with uh david Gordon green and um dana mcbride on collider where they kind of talk about you know the the stress of you know shooting nights and uh trying to get you know the uh balletic uh violence choreographed just right and it just feels like at the end of it they're just they are they're just trying to like make schlock but schlock that has that craft behind it so that it gives the appearance of high-end product but at the end of that that's still what it is like they're just they're trying to make something because they're good at making things but they don't really care about the art behind it but like that's like think of how
0: screwed up that is like they I got, like know, but- <laughs> I just don't even like get like and Danny McBride too. I mean, here's the thing. Like, have you seen the what's that gemstone thing? Have you seen that? Oh yeah, is Righteous good? Gemstones,
1: yeah. It's funny, yeah. Vice, I love Vice the, Principles. Vice Principles is brilliant. And the tone but there is so have... specific. Right. Right? Like. But they don't have the constraint of the Halloween universe. Like they're doing this weird thing where they're trying to like act within the restraints of this horror genre and this extended universe that they're also upending the rules of because they don't give a fuck. And, but then also like, yeah, like to the point where like, it's going to be a complete gamble litmus test, whether or not it's enough for people to like, think that the kills are creative versus actually feeling like it was worth their time. Like, Will I ever watch this movie again? No. no. Or maybe I will if I'm getting together with friends to watch something stupid. Did you see this in the theaters? Or I on saw it on
0: Peacock.
1: Yeah. Okay, that's another aspect. Like, w- once again, I saw the fir- the 2018 Halloween just by my lonesome in my basement. Whereas, like, you saw it with a crowd. Like, that's a whole other. Yeah,
0: thing. it's a different I
1: mean, vibe. Poor movies. P- play way different with a crowd especially these kinds of like dumb super gory yeah
0: people are gonna like laugh and scream and like have a good time yeah, you feed and off that it. energy is gonna transfer yeah. to you and you're gonna be like oh this is maybe this is pretty fun i mean it's fun yeah. being with the crowd seeing it um yeah man it's just uh i don't really get what they're doing uh, what are they gonna do for the last one they said it's gonna be about covid
1: like what oh my gosh i saw like, that fast forward four years. And uh, Michael Myers is, I don't know, patient zero. I don't know. It's going to. That's that's not that's not going the direction we want it to. But, uh, you know, we're going to see it.
0: Yeah, I'm definitely going to see it. It's not filmed yet, though. Like they got to get this I thing filmed in and, uh, and the can here. And it's going to get released next year, October 2022. It's too bad. Like I feel like, you know, this these are the two biggest horror films of the last three years essentially and it's like man the Mm -hmm. genre the genre is in like this really special place i feel like 2014 20 well 2015 2016 2017 but like ari asher um who's the guy who did um lighthouse and um the witch what's his name oh yeah yeah yeah. um and then it follows stuff like that raw um
1: there i it's just gonna it's just getting smaller Right? like we it had never this, translated we though. had this open never like no
0: all that no. Um, unbelievable and i'm telling you as someone you know you know this too it's like as someone who has watched horror movies for a long time that was really a moment when oh, yeah. you know horror became like maybe the most important genre creatively like with film for a couple of years and then it just sort of like it, it never translated over to mainstream. We had it, which was a huge success, of course, but not very good. Um right. interesting but not very good. And then Doctor Sleep bombed. We had Invisible Man last year right as the pandemic started and then it's just kind of been, I don't know. Like if this is what's oh, successful in horror, we're in a rough, we're going to be in a rough ride.
1: Oh, we should mention uh talking about like comedy horror hybrids. Uh, I was happy to see Jim Cummings. Oh, yeah, right. He was great in
0: this, too. Like, it's like got that perfect vibe right. of him sort of, like, bumbling around. Yeah, in this extended
1: 1978 flashback. <laughs> Which
0: I actually more enjoyed more this, than Halloween Kills. Like, right. I enjoyed the flashback way more.
1: Right. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, I'm not going to say don't see Halloween Kills, because you might, like, like Mick uh, LaSalle said, like, if this is your kind of thing, <laughs> knock your socks off. But uh, Wolf of Snow Hollow. Yes um is absolutely wonderful yeah. well, and, she did an episode on was it last uh, season yeah season right four? criminally underseen so i would definitely say that there there's still great horror movies being made but yeah we missed that that opening to have it crossover really. yeah invisible man is solid but it was an outlier and right as the pandemic
0: yeah began. so who within Sorry. is also funny um Oh, I have not It's seen really funny. Great comedy horror. Okay. Like just a good time. Uh yeah, it's too bad. And like this is gonna be super successful. It's gonna make it's not gonna have a great multiplier at the movie theater, but I, I think it's gonna, you know, easily make 150, 140 million dollars domestically, and then worldwide a lot more. Um, so yeah, it's a huge success. I I think it's kind of just um I hate the movie. Like, absolutely hate it. <laughs> um, and that's just like it's weird. And I think to your point exactly, uh, this is no one's going to rewatch this movie unless it's in a Halloween marathon. And that's the only way you're going to watch it in like 10, 15 years. Um, but here's the more the close out, I mean, to close this out a little bit, like, and this is something I was thinking about. I was I, I take a daily little hike on my little trail here in Atlanta. And uh, I was thinking about this. I was like, okay, this movie sucks and I hate it. Um, but like, when your kids are doing a podcast in 20 years, Are they gonna go back to this movie and kind of reevaluate it and deconstruct it and find things about it that are good? This is what freaks me out because it's like, you know, like what uh, do is there something about this movie that's gonna last at all? I guess is the question.
1: No, I mean, can we think of any like rebooted franchise in the horror genre? That like wound up with something look good. Like- New
0: Nightmare isn't the only one that I can think of, but that's Wes Craven redoing his own stuff,
1: right? But like the 2010 Nightmare on Terrible. Elm Street, hell no. The f- 29 Friday, Friday 13th,
0: the- very very no. fun movie which I love, uh, but no, it's not a good movie.
1: Yeah, the 2019 Child's Ooh. Play, <laughs> like it's it's just it's it, it's sordid just perverted money grabs and uh but we're gonna watch them we're just they're not gonna be remembered and we're wasting our time so we're part of the problem yeah
0: it's true it's just like
1: (laughs) welcome to the new season
0: of (laughs) (laughs) the most depressing film podcast on the interwebs uh okay cool that's halloween kills uh go see it it's fun you're gonna have a good time actually you're not gonna be really depressed afterwards um (laughs) What are we doing next week? What are we doing next week? Oh, yeah, yeah. This is my choice. You get to do it. So it's the 10th anniversary of Jason Reitman's Diablo Cody scripted tragedy dramedy. Tragedy dramedy? I can't even say it. Uh, It's a tongue twister. Young adult from 2011. And we will have a guest on. It's now streaming on Showtime. So do check it out before the episode. Uh, We should be recording that next week. And then, yeah, we'll just come back and listen in about a week. Uh, Appreciate it. Uh, Chris, take us away.
1: Oh, my gosh. Thank you so much for listening to the season premiere of Film Trace.